Hi folks, welcome to uh, Jet Cetra, uh, the Winnipeg Free Press podcast, uh, where we talk about the Jets, sports, and etc. Uh, I'm your host, Sports Editor Steve Lyons, and uh, I'm joined as usual by sports columnist Mike McIntyre. Mike, it's episode 35. Woo! And uh, today we'll be talking uh, about the Jets and how they did at the NHL draft. Uh, what they still need to, they still need to do with free agency, which opens tomorrow, Friday. Uh, we'll chat a little bit about the Major League Baseball playoffs and uh, maybe uh, touch a little bit on what we're doing in our spare time now that Winnipeg is in code orange and uh, we're supposed to be behaving, uh, not doing what we're supposed to, not get out as much as we were before. Um, and that's it. I'm in my office here at 1355 Mountain Avenue. Uh, we're doing these remotely again. Um, where are you, Mike? I am sitting in the parking lot of, uh, of Red River Community Center, which is uh, uh, where I used to take my kids to skate when they were like just starting to skate when they were wee little ones. They're not so wee anymore, 19 and, and 16. Uh, the 19-year-old's still playing hockey. But yeah, I'm kind of sentimental sitting here because the parking lot, so they built this place up now, but Back when they were just young, uh, they didn't have the big fancy community center, and so I'm actually sitting where the outdoor rinks used to be. It's now a parking lot, and yeah, just as I've been sitting here, because the reception's really good here. That's why I'm sitting here. It's a lot better than what it is at home. Uh, and I was out running some errands this morning, anyways. Had to pick up some groceries at Walmart. Had to do a liquor run for a friend. Uh, I delivered a bottle of uh, very expensive champagne on behalf of a friend in Calgary uh, for her friend who's celebrating her 50th birthday today. So yeah, kind of been uh, kind of been out and about, but uh, yeah, I'm thinking back to when the kids were just young and I was teaching them how to skate here. And um, man, life goes fast, doesn't it? Nice segue into the first period of our Jet Center podcast. Speaking of young kids, and, uh, yes. Uh, the National Hockey League's uh, amateur draft was held on uh, uh, Tuesday evening. The first round was Tuesday evening. The, the other rounds were held uh, all day yesterday, Wednesday. Uh, for you folks at home, it is currently Thursday, October the subsequent. What is the date today? <laughs> the 10th? I believe no, it the 10th. Or the, 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 yes. the 8th. No, the 8th. The 8th. The 8th. <laughs> Um, I was just uh, on vacation again, and so I'm still trying to catch up with the date. Um, so um, the Jets uh, uh, made their first round choice on Tuesday. They picked a young fellow by the name of Cole Perfetti. He's a five uh, ten, listed at 185 pound um, centerman. Um, and the question is, um, I think you've referred to him a couple of times this week, Mike, um, as the Jets' next franchise center. Now, you've never been known to be hyperbolic, so... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to suggest that might be overstating it a bit, but you make your case. Why do you think this guy uh, could be the team's next franchise center, uh, you know, currently their franchise center is Mark Shifley. Right. So I thought I was maybe being a, a bit um, 
hyperbolic. And then I read a, an article yesterday, trying to remember who wrote it, but it's somebody who's kind of in the know. Like it wasn't just some fan blogger. It's somebody who who uh, follows these prospects, and he suggested Steve. Not me. That uh, that th- this kid Cole Perfetti could actually end up being a better centerman for the Winnipeg Jets than Mark Scheifele, um, suggesting that this may turn out to be their best draft pick yet. So no pressure, kid. Um, you know, and and look, there he's eighteen, right? Like these things can go in a number of directions. Um, well, the majority of of players that are picked early in first rounds go on to become something in the NHL. Some of them obviously superstars, some, you know, just reliable everyday players. There's also examples, of course, of guys who who flamed out, uh, who never made it. So, you know, this is just the start, not the ending. But certainly when you look at, at this Cole Perfetti and you know, the, the intangibles and obviously his on-ice play, like this is a guy who put up 111 points last year in the Ontario Hockey League, which was second best in the entire league. Um, from all accounts, and, and colleague Jason Bell had a nice chat with his general manager from the Saginaw Spirit the other night. Like this is a kid who's absolutely cerebral, um, not Unlike Mark Shifley, like a, a nerd, a hockey nerd, a student of the game, is, you know, just a, a, apparently a very quality human being, puts the work in. So the opportunity will be there. And I guess from a Jets perspective, like, they've been looking for the next centerman um, to come in and not replace Mark Shifley, but to work in tandem with him. We know, Steve, that's been an ongoing issue here in Winnipeg. And while Cole Perfetti likely won't solve their second-line center issue this coming season, there's certainly a lot of indicators that 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 could be the role he fills, you know, within a year or two. All right, well, um, time will tell, of course. I'm always a little... I'm still one of these guys that when I think of a franchise center, I think he's a little undersized for that. Yes. Um, I'm always... The jury for me is always out on guys that are undersized like this. Um, now, the LA Kings drafted a centerman, Quinton Byfield, who's 6'4", 215. And yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, like, and he skates like, like you know, he's just a really amazing skater. So if somebody says franchise center when they describe Quentin Byfield, I'm in. Uh, when somebody describes franchise center Cole Perfetti, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence. Um, so... I um I I would agree. I guess my views are changing a little bit. Uh, and and yes, when you're undersized, you probably have to you have to do even more to stand out, right? But you know, I just of course was at the Stanley Cup final. Um, watching watching a centerman like Braden Point, who was a third round draft pick a few years ago, and he was not being touted as a franchise centerman when the Tampa Bay Lightning picked him in the third round. After every team in the NHL who overlooked him, you know, at least twice in that draft, including the Lightning themselves, of course, who didn't pick him till the third round. You know, there's a guy, not the biggest player, that's for sure, uh, but, you know, smart as a whip and all the skill and talent and the drive and, and, you know, 
I think you could make the argument Braden Point is a franchise center. Stephen Stamkos is apparently on on the trading block. Steve, his name is out there that the Lightning would be willing to move him um, because Braden Point is now seen as as their next great centerman. So, you know, I think in the way the game is going, the NHL game, um, guys that aren't the biggest, I think, are are getting you know the the opportunity and, and to maybe stand out. But for sure, he's got his work cut out for him. Um, I think, though, in a way, he was just what the Winnipeg Jets needed. And what's the saying? you got to be good to be lucky, right? Like, the Jets were probably a little bit lucky that he fell to them the other night. There was a lot of draft boards that had him going, like, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th. So to get him at 10, um, you know, was, was a bit of a steal, potentially, that we'll obviously have to wait a few years to see if how it pans out. Yeah, I've always seen, you know, this break point thing. It's like every 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 undersized centerman or winger in this year's draft was being compared to him. And this is not abnormal. There's always like this, well, everybody's going to be a break point or everybody's going to be a Theo Fleury or everybody's going to be this. Like these comparisons are, you know, I, I'm not crazy about them, but I guess we'll see. Um, um, I think that, um, knowing this franchise, he's probably a couple of years away. I mean, even Mark Scheidt can play for a couple of years, so um, time will tell. I think that they, uh, you know, the kids obviously got some skill, and we'll, we'll see how things go. All right, folks, we're back for the second period of our Jet Center podcast. Mike, tomorrow, Friday, October the 9th, now that we've got the date down, um, <laughs> and it's a free agency opens. Uh, weird time for it to be opening, of course, but everything's weird at, the, at this uh, point in our lives. Um, normally, a free agency is Canada Day, July the 1st, which is also kind of a weird time for free agency. So actually, Thanksgiving weekend, why not make it Thanksgiving this year, right? So, sure. Anyways, um, the Jets um, will be looking, I suppose, to shore up some areas or make some trades maybe still um you know there's still rumblings about patrick liney potentially getting moved um i i i think that that probably would have happened already if it was going to happen so me me too yeah maybe that's not gonna so the jets have never you know i was sitting here in the office here about a half an hour ago with uh, our boss paul cement the editor of our newspaper who's a huge hockey fan and we were trying to recall the biggest free agent signing the Jets have ever made. Um, we might be missing somebody because we came up with nobody. Nick Antropov didn't do it for you? Or Alexi Ponikarovsky, Steve? No, and, and uh, maybe Dmitry Kulikov, I guess. So they, they have not been big players, and I think there's a couple of reasons Mostly because I think out of the if there's a hundred guys out there, probably only thirty of them would even be willing to come to Winnipeg. And then, right. And so it, the free agency is a difficult time for the Winnipeg Jets, not because of money, because they do have the money, they have been a cap team, but getting players to come here has been a chore. So, what do you think tomorrow? What's going to happen tomorrow, Mike? I think they're going to be very aggressive. And Kevin Chevaldeoff, we've now spoken to him 
three times this week, Steve. Monday before free agency, Tuesday after the first round, and Wednesday after rounds two through seven, where the Jets, of course, had three more picks, guys that are very much you know long term projects. Um, I, I, I and I'm going to write about this, I think, a little bit more today in my column for Friday's uh, newspaper. But you know, Kevin Chevalier has been dropping some not so subtle hints, at least for 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 him. This is a guy who always plays it close to the best, right? Like he 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 says a lot, but usually says nothing. He doesn't but, say anything. Yeah, I mean, his brother's a politician, and he's kind of cut from the same cloth. So, but Kevin Chevalier has dropped some hints this this week that the Jets. I mean, he's he's repeatedly made reference to the fact they have money to play with, that they have the ability to perhaps. Uh, take advantage of other teams' dilemmas. And there are a lot of dilemmas out there, Steve. Like, there are some teams in salary cap hell. The Vegas Golden Knights are absolutely in dire straits. And let me throw a name out to you. Uh, I'm going to, this is a bit of a teaser for one of the things I'm going to have in my column today. Here's a name that I keep coming back to. When we talk about the Jets filling a need, a second-line center, Paul Stasny, they have, they know Paul Stasny works here in Winnipeg. He helped lead them to the Western Conference Final. Vegas, of course, then signed into that, that juicy contract, which the Jets at the time could not afford. They had, you know, Kyle Connor, Lane, Morrissey, like, uh, you know, they had all those guys. They still had Dustin Bufflin. They still had a healthy Brian Little in his contract. Paul Stasny has one year left. He's a UFA after next season. He's owed $6.5 million. The Vegas Golden Knights, it's said, are absolutely looking to move him because they, they have to. They, they have to clear money off the books. If you're the Winnipeg Jets, you can afford a $6.5 million hit for one season as sort of a stopgap, I think the Winnipeg Jets should be all over a guy like Paul Stasny. And I, I would suggest, Steve, that Vegas would actually have to add a sweetener because you, you'd be doing them a favor while also benefiting yourself. And so that's a name to keep an eye on here in the next day or two in my eyes because I think, you know, you know that that works, right? Uh, yeah, no, I, I I would not agree with you there, Mike. Uh, Paul Stasny is so yesterday. Oh. Uh, had injury problems since he's gone. Yes. And um, I would suggest that he's long past his, uh, his expi- the expiry date is up on Paul Stasny. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know that you're really, really focused on this second line center thing. And I, and I, and I, there's no question that the Jets do need that, but I still think, Despite the signing of Dylan DeMello this week as a, you know, he's a, he's a decent defenseman, I still think the Jets are going to have are, are need help at the back end. And so, and I'm not exactly sure who's out there. I mean, what are your thoughts on, what are your thoughts on the local boy, Travis Hamannack? Yeah, I like, I like Travis Hamannack mostly because I like his grit. Um, because I think that the Jets lost a ton of grit yes. uh, when they lost uh, Jacob Truba, Ben Sherratt, 
Tyler Myers, and then Dustin Bufflin. Um, say, the, 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 they not only had skill, all of those players, uh, but all, every single one of those guys also had a ton of grit. And um, I just think that, you know, the Jets need that more than anything on the blue line. I don't know that Dylan DeMello has a lot of grit. Josh Morrissey wants to have a lot of grit. I don't know that. I don't. We'll see. In my mind, the jury is still out on Josh Morrissey. He's had it. He did not have a good year. So no. I think they need. I really think they need help at the back end. But um, you know, second line center. Geez, I don't know why they just don't make Blake Wheeler the second line center and play Patrick Liney on the on the first line. It's just yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, to me, and and Blake Wheeler seemed to. I thought last year, Steve, I mean, Blake Wheeler got off to a terrible start. I remember writing a column about Blake Wheeler near the end of October that was sort of asking the question, like, is is this the beginning of the end? Like, this guy's went downhill fast. Then, Ron Little goes down in early November. Blake, Blake Wheeler moves over to center. I thought that breathed new life into Blake Wheeler last year. His analytic. You know, and I, his fancy numbers are way better after as a center. As a centerman, and that's yeah. the internal solution. They've got a bunch of wingers. They, they, you know, like that to me. And and I don't think Blake Wheeler. And I think you mentioned this in one of your stories this week. I don't think Blake Wheeler is still a front line. He's not winger. He shouldn't be. No, but Patrick Liney playing with Mark Shifley, I like. Patrick Liney needs to play top minutes, all the power play. If you're going to keep Patrick Liney and 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 make him, you know, he was a number two pick overall. Right. Then you need to play him accordingly. And he, I didn't like the way that he came back after the break last, you know, after, I didn't like the shape that he was in, but I did like the way that he came into the season last year and he played a whole different game played a strong game, a real good power forward game. He needs to be playing with Mark Shakespeare all the time. Period. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. And, and so yeah. you're right. I mean, if, yeah. if 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 Blake Wheeler is your second line center, well, then you've got you've got Adam Lowry, you've got Andrew Kopp. Like maybe the center position isn't as dire. Uh, and and like you said, you also solve a problem. The whole line A, you know, not playing top line minutes. Yeah. And yeah, focus on the blue line. The DeMello signing was a nice piece of work for sure, but there's a lot more work to be done. And and I think that that uh, will be the priority, especially in free agency uh, as, as we kick it off on Friday. All right, folks, we're back for the third period of our Jet Centra podcast. This is the part where we uh, move away from the Jets and get into some Centra. Uh, Mike, uh, the baseball playoffs are on. Uh, you're watching. I'm watching a little bit. Um, uh, you uh, loved the drama in the Dodgers and the Padres game last night. That was way past my bedtime. I'm <laughs> uh, like way past. <laughs> I'm in bed at 10 p.m. Mike. <laughs> Steve, at the risk of at the risk of more hyperbole, that was one of the best baseball games, especially the last couple innings that I've seen in years. Last night, it was. It was amazing, and the, you know what? You know what sucks is that the condensed format here means that these are best of fives in, in these playoffs. And yeah. So, like the Dodgers are now up, and I have no rooting interest. I don't care who wins that series, frankly. But I was dis. 
disappointed that the Dodgers hung on to win last night because they're not with two nothing. They can finish it off today. Like I want, I want to see more of those two teams. They were the two best teams in the National League. Uh, they're geographical rivals. They hate each other. There was like lots of crazy shenanigans last night. Guys barking at each other. Uh, bat flips, glove flips. There's some bad blood. Um, it was just great theater for sure. I mean, the, the one thing that was missing, and I think a game like last night, it really stands out, is my goodness, could you ever use fans? Like, I love October baseball, but I also love the, the slow build, and a lot of that comes from hearing the audio from the fans. And it's not the same with the piped in noise. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, you know, the, the, the games that I've watched, I haven't really missed the fans that much. Um, um, I missed the fans, uh, in, as I mentioned earlier, in, in the hockey playoffs. Um, um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I was, I was. You know what? Sorry, just to jump in. You know what baseball does really well in terms of using the fans? It's not even so much the noise. I love. Is there any sport that does more cutaways to fans in the crowd? Well, that's and, true. Yeah, that. and, and like that, that adds to me to the visual presentation. Like when you see fans like biting their nails or grabbing their hair or like hands over their eyes like at a tense moment I love that it's like to me that's part of the whole that's part of the theater of it and you don't get that when you've got cardboard cutouts you can't cut away to the the stiff sitting in the seats and get the same effect I guess the, the the biggest surprise for me so far in the baseball playoffs continues to be um the Tampa Bay Rays Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, and the Houston Astros. I'm not so surprised by the Houston Astros. They were a, a subpar, uh, sub 500 team during what, the condensed regular season, and now have really kicked it into gear in the playoffs. I mean, they have so many good players, uh, and they have such a strong lineup. I'm not, well, and and they have one other weapon, Steve, a massive chip on their shoulder, because, um, and rightfully so, they've been labeled, they've been exposed, at least in the past, as cheaters, and everybody seemingly is rooting against them this year because of that, and they're almost using that, and, and teams do that all the time, not just in baseball, in any sports, you often use adversity or whatever as a motivator, and they seem to be doing that really well, but yeah, Tampa Bay, they've got like six guys in their bullpen seat that can all throw like triple digits, that's insane, isn't it? Yeah, their pitching has not been the. It has been a bit of a surprise. I think the last time we did one of these uh, podcasts, I said that Blake Snell was overrated. That he had one good year, and then the next day <laughs> he 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 practically uh, shut out the Blue Jays. Right, and and, and so I, I certainly uh, was eating my words that day. Although he and, got he got carved up by the Yankees pretty good the other night. He did, yeah. So. But what surprises me about the Rays is is that they score all these runs. I've never heard of anybody. <laughs> I mean, well, I follow baseball a little bit, and I you know there's a lot of really good hitters on all of these teams. And, I mean, especially the Yankees and the Astros. Um, yeah. But like, I don't know any of these. Like, the only guy I know on the regular lineup, it seems like on the Rays, is Kevin Kiermaier, and he's the worst hitter on the team. Yeah, he's hitting uh, like ninth or eighth. Yeah, like it's just like who are these guys? I know. Well, they eight runs all the time. Yeah, they do. And the other thing about them, 
like they, it seems like they're pretty much the deepest team. And they're deep in, like you said, guys we've never heard of. They used, yeah. This was the stat that blew me away the other day that I heard when I was listening to the Jays-Rays game in, in that first round. 60 regular season games, Steve. They used 59 different starting lineups. Like, they only one time did they bat the same order one through nine. They are constantly moving guys in and out of the lineup, moving guys up and down the batting order. Like, even if you're a a dedicated fan of the team, you don't even know who's playing one day to the next. And yet that doesn't seem to matter. Like, 59 lineups in 60 games, that's incredible. So now they, like their manager, Kevin Cash, who uh, was a catcher for the Jays at one point in time, um, they uh, use the analytics um, as much as anybody or even more right. than anybody, right? I mean, they're, so they're all about matchups, and they're proving that that kind of works. And then Charlie Montoya coached with them, right? Am I uh, right yeah, here? Yeah, he did, so yeah. He came a long-time coach with them, so he's right. brought a lot of that over for sure. And, it was Matt who kind of started all this or whatever, but so it's like they are they the analytics team? Are they are they showing that that analytics has taken over? You know, baseball and actually, I mean, because of their success, there it's no, it's not going anywhere. No, they they really are, Stephen. Like what they, I think you can look to the Tampa Bay Rays. They're the team that introduced into the baseball vernacular, the, the term opener, like they don't even, they have a couple starting pitchers, Blake Snell, you mentioned Tyler Glasnow, but they utilize the opener more than anybody, which is for those who don't know what an opener is, it's using one of your short term, you know, one, one of your guys that in the bullpen that can only throw like 20, 30 pitches trotting him out in the first inning with no intention of having him pitch to more than a few batters, and then you bring in a a, a more stretched-out arm. And I guess the idea behind an opener, Steve, is that um, you you use your, you know, a really good velocity pitcher for a short spurt against the other team's best hitters the first time, and then it means that your, say, your starter who you're bringing in in the second inning doesn't have to face the meat of the order like that one extra time, and it works right. Like they've had tons of tons of success with it. Yeah, the Rays have really kind of changed the game. It's it's odd of all franchises, frankly. It's it's kind of ironic. I mean, I mean nobody goes to see this. They game. play in a dump. They're staying. Yeah, in it's, yeah. It's really it's 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 been an odd thing to watch the Tampa Rays. Um, are they the Tampa Bay Rays? Are they Tampa Devil Rays? They've had. I, I think they dropped the Devil. Uh, yeah, the, the Devil is no longer there. Just like the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, they're gone as well. Uh, but I believe they are still the Tampa Bay Rays, right? Not just Tampa. They are the Tampa Bay Rays. Whoever they are, there's a good bet. They can finish off the Yankees tonight, and uh, it looks like it could be a Tampa Houston. Uh, ALCS, and then over in the National League, you got the Dodgers, they're up at Atlanta, they're up 2-0 on the Marlins, so uh, setting up for uh, what should be uh, an interesting last couple weeks of the season, and I don't know, I I think Dodgers uh, ways Los Angeles, Tampa, which would kind of of be interesting, wouldn't it? Look at the major sports, Steve, Tampa Bay, they just won 
Uh, Tampa Bay just won the National Hockey League Championship, the Stanley Cup. The Los Angeles Lakers, they're about to, I think, win the uh, the NBA championship. And so you've got an NHL championship for Tampa, uh, an NBA championship for L.A. If you get an L.A.-Tampa MLB championship, that's kind of the rubber match, isn't it? Wow, that would be interesting, Mike. Way to connect the dots there. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, but I must say, uh, I know this has been a thorn in your side, 
people not kind of following protocols. I, I have seen some encouraging signs lately in Winnipeg when I have been out, but people do seem to be taking it at least a little more seriously. Uh, yeah, I've noticed that too. I just shopped in a superstore the other day, and uh, frankly, there was only one guy um, out of the, the entire uh, store that uh, felt like he, that he needed to wear his mask around the chin. I'm not exactly sure what that does to wear around your chin. Uh, Did you know, by the way, and we're on a podcast, so we can use this kind of language. Did you know that there's a term for those kind of people now, Steve? Right. Oh, when I, a mask hole? <laughs> a mask hole. <laughs> so, yeah, if you ever, the next time you get into it with someone, you can just say, hey, buddy, don't be a mask hole. Don't be a mask hole, yeah. So, <laughs> one of the things we did talk about a lot on our podcast when, uh, when we were in lockdown um, back in the spring was uh, what we were watching on television. And one of, the, one of the shows that you kept going on and on about during our lockdown was Homeland. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, Are so you late, getting into it? Well, I, yeah, so I started watching it. Oh, my God. Like, it's so, like, <laughs> um, you really have to suspend your disbelief of things that's for sure but it's so hard to stop watching it so i know are you what are you are you still in the first season no i'm in the season three i've uh, so at the balance it off i started watching downton abbey which is also an interesting show i, I, I which is a, the contrast in the two of them are are, are uh, stark with the, let me put it to you that way i don't know if you ever watched downton abbey uh, I've seen it. Yeah, I have a cousin who is in love with that show. Yes, I like British shows, so I'm, I'm kind of watching. So I'm watching that. But <laughs> how many seasons of this Homeland am I going to have to watch now? Here, so they're they just the the, the show is done. Uh, they just they just came out uh, a few months ago with the eighth and final season. Oh, okay, that's not bad. <laughs> cool. Uh, and let me say this um, without giving anything away. To me, the first three seasons were tremendous. The next two, maybe three even seasons, I thought the show started to slip. But the last two seasons, and especially the last season, was phenomenal. So, yeah, um, it's, uh, it is, you don't have to suspend belief for sure, but it is intense, edge-your-seat stuff, and, and there's some great characters, and I love... I love Claire Danes. I love Mandy Patinkin, and uh, you know they—they're just excellent uh, in in that show. All right. Well, I'll continue watching. We'll see. How <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, all right. So uh, we should probably wrap it up. We're uh, running a short on time here. Uh, take care. We'll uh, we'll uh, chat again uh, shortly, and by then we'll know how uh, whether the Jets either a traded for Paul Stastny or yeah. traded signed Travis Hamilton. Or traded Patrick Line in, yeah, but don't yeah, have to wrap that for sure. Around the, the uh, should be a couple of very interesting days around here, and we'll uh, we'll talk once the dust settles.